back to Sustainability Speaks. We're your hosts, Stasia and Saskia. On today's podcast, we're excited to welcome Laura, the founder of Red Panty, a company that creates reusable period products. Before we get into the details of your organisation, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, Saskia, Saskia. I'm so delighted to be today on Sustainability Speaks. I'm really looking forward to this. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Would you please like to tell us just a little bit about your background, how Red Panty originated, and just, you know, what inspired you to come up with this brand? Sure, absolutely. So, um, where to start? I guess I studied at university many years ago. I went to Cambridge University, I did biochemistry, and then I entered the world of work in a field that was very interesting to me at that point, which was marketing. Essentially, marketing, what you do is you help companies sell more to people. Um, So I spent 17 years in that domain. And um, I guess for the last few years uh, of my career, I mean, I climbed to to pretty senior management levels, uh, managers roles kind of uh, being country manager for for, um, an international company in Spain. I really enjoyed my job from a kind of, you know, everyday motivation, find it interesting, find it relevant, definitely. But increasingly over the last few years, I just found that I wanted to align much better kind of my view of the world and my values and what I did and what I spent most of my time with. And I guess it might be a bit of a cliche for you guys, I don't know if you've heard this before, but uh, during the COVID pandemic and the lockdown, that gave me a lot of time for reflection. Um, and one of the things that I thought about a lot was, okay, we've, we've got COVID, this is terrible, but we've also got a climate emergency. And now we're all taking a little bit of a break to take time and take stock of what's happening in the world. And my my intrinsic reaction was pretty positive. And it was to say, actually, the world has to come out of this better than we went into it. And we really have a need to act um, against climate change. And then I thought, okay, so that's great. But, you know, what are you going to do something about it? What, what are you going to do? Uh, which problem are you going to tackle? Um, and I've been thinking about periods for a little while because, well, after my periods, I'm a woman, and uh, I had started using menstrual cup about three years ago. It had taken me a very, very long time to start using the cup. So I actually found out about its existence probably when I was 16, which is now more than 20 years ago, um, I'm afraid to say. And I had thought initially that it was pretty disgusting and weird thing to use. So it taken me a very, very long time to come around to the idea of Hmm, maybe it's not such a bad idea. Maybe it's actually better than what I'm using today or what I was using back then, which was mostly tampons and pads. When I eventually started using the menstrual cup, it took me a year from deciding that I was going to use it to actually buy the menstrual cup and try it on a whole year. Once I started using it, I actually found it, it made a total transformation to my life. And this is, I say, three years ago. So I was a very busy kind of senior manager, traveling all the time, really, really busy period for me. And it made my periods and my life so much better and manageable. I thought, gosh, why didn't I do this before? So during COVID, as I said, I started reflecting. I thought, there's, a, there's, a, there's something about this. There's something about periods, something about how uh, we can use reusable period products to make our lives better, as well as to reduce our consumption. And at that point in time also, I've been starting to try and uh, stop using um, sanitary um, um, uh, panty liners, sorry, because I use those as backup for the menstrual cup, um, and I didn't like the idea. So I, I spent some time researching personally what alternatives there were to the panty liner. 
And that's when I found there was quite a bit of a problem there when you wanted to replace that. It was very difficult if you went on Google to actually find good alternatives and trustworthy that you could actually make a decision on. Um, so I thought, okay, this is, this is a challenge for me. And I'm fairly educated and fairly um, confident and fairly uh, aware in general, I think. So if it's a problem for me, it must be a problem for lots of other people. And that's how the idea of Red Panty really came about, which was, okay, how can we improve the periods for many, many people out there? How can we do this by using reusable period products? And uh, that will have a knock-on effect on, on climate action because uh, we, can, we know already that our current uh, consumption levels, we don't have enough planets, right? We don't have enough resources on Earth to sustain our current, uh, our current consumption rate. So that's the other beauty about reusables is that you actually don't throw them away after each use, but you keep using them. And you wash them and you keep using them over and over and over again. So since you said this is a lockdown business, I presume, well, it's not been going for very long. How have you found that? Are you still working by yourself or do you now have a team and is this now your main job? Yeah, so that's, that's a really good question. So it started uh, in the lockdown, as, as, as you said, and I said, um, from the beginning, I wasn't by myself because the first thing I did when I started having these ideas was bouncing them off in, in my situation. In my case, it was with my sister. I've got two other two sisters, the three of us. So the people you can ask, you can talk about periods with obviously quite easily. And, and immediately I started uh, sharing ideas, sharing information uh, and bouncing. I mean, actually it was pretty good to work with them because they were quite, um, I wouldn't say cool, but they were quite reluctant and quite challenging back as to, hey, maybe this is not the problem. Maybe people are already aware. Maybe uh, the problem is something else. So actually uh, they've really been helping me throughout. So I've got, I've got this kind of team. And then um, pretty early on, so, you know, we're locked down in March, the project kind of kicked off in June. And I would say in July, there was already uh, opportunities to apply for a grant process. And a part of that process had to get together a team. So then again, I had to reach out to other people to bring a team together for this uh, grant process. In the end, we didn't get the grant, but actually what happened was that I, I kind of got a small team of volunteers help me set up the page and also to help me think about the first uh, iteration of what we wanted to do in terms of our own uh, reusable products. So uh, just to give you a bit more context, Red Panty currently is a platform and what we have on this platform is uh, an e-commerce which has the best uh, reusable period products we have found in the European market. So this is menstrual caps, menstrual underwear and cloth uh, pads. Okay. Um, and this was these products have been gathered through a process of, I guess, of research and selection. Now, one of the issues I identified up front was actually that the menstrual underwear available in Europe was very limited, very few brands. And it's not the branding issue, it's more like the, the product. The products are generally focused at collecting most of the menstrual flow, which to be perfectly honest, uh, it's okay, but it's not always an optimal solution. And what I was looking after and what I saw would be an increasing trend is actually something that just uses a light backup, literally in case of a panty liner, but in, a, in an underwear format. So, I mean, my view is that in the future, actually, anyone will be able to go into a shop and, and find their favorite pair of undies in any kind of level of absorption from nothing to a little bit to actually a lot, uh, which is not the case. Anyway, 
So with that in mind, I wanted to start launching a, a menstrual underwear with a consortium, and I also got involved um, textile uh, individuals who knew about it, which I didn't because I come from marketing. And pretty much from July, I had a small team around me which were which were helping. Now uh, a year on, because uh, we're now in August, the next year, that team is still in place. Some people have more people have joined, some have left. It's still very much a bunch of volunteers and myself, who is probably the, the full-time person involved, is still very much my project, but, um, but that's going to change because uh, the next step for me uh, and for the business is actually uh, taking on investors and, and actually having a, a, a proper team. So that's the plan. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's really impressive, especially, you know, that you've only been going for a year. Um, and also just like having had a look on your website, for example, I know that you work with Ruby Cup, which is quite a well-known uh, menstrual cup brand. So I just wanted to know, like, with what's your approach to, you know, reaching out to, you know, the kind of the bigger, more more well-established businesses? Like, how do you establish those partnerships? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, I mean, initially it was very much um, trying to understand what's best in class out there because. One of the problems I faced when I was uh, doing this for myself, when I was trying to find a replacement for panty liners, the problem I personally had was that um, there was a lot of websites that looked kind of okay, but when you dug into them a little bit, um, it wasn't clear where the product came from, how it was made, where the company was based. And basically, um, because it's a little bit of a, market right now, but it's still niche. There, there are some players out there which I guess they're essentially like buying very cheap products and kind of burning the market a little bit. So they give, they haven't got any, uh, any kind of product guarantees, any, um, and I, I bought some of those products because I made a mistake up front and I realized that eventually a month later I had a product directly dropshipped from China, I didn't fit the, the description of the product. So great disappointment. And that, there's some of that out there. And that's actually why I wanted to establish something which would be we're working with reputable and established brands which are dedicated to creating those products, not just someone who's buying something cheaply, selling it and doesn't and disappears and doesn't care about what happens afterwards, right? So um, so first I try to understand which were the uh, major uh, established companies and those companies are generally five to ten years old already. They have a clear branding and um, the other thing I wanted to do was try and pick those who very clearly had at their core both kind of ethical uh, as, uh, objectives. So, for example, Ruby Cup is very strong. Uh, it's the only cup that donates every cup for every cup you buy. So they have a strong, uh, I guess, policy. Uh, or actually, in its foundation, they want to fight period poverty. So that's really interesting, and that's something I wanted to, as much as possible, work with companies that care about society and are giving back to society, as well as the environment. So I mean. By its nature, reusable pure products are looking after the environment by replacing the use of single-use products. Uh, but uh, there's obviously there's varying degrees like anything, right? You can be more or less sustainable depending on exactly how you go about it. So those companies also specifically go out of the way uh, to be more sustainable were much, much more interesting to me, which is obviously the same thing I want to do with my own product at Red County. Yeah, and then it's just a matter of reaching out and see who gets back to you. But, uh, but one of the interesting things is that um, a lot of the companies in this space are generally uh, women founded. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> it's women who care about periods. Um, and that's good. 
Um, the not so good thing though is that we're very often um, small, medium-sized businesses. They don't get very large. There's few large companies. The large ones are not in Europe. They're in the States and Canada, which is fine. But I'm just saying in Europe, they actually it's not very developed. And yeah, and so actually when you have those kind of businesses, uh, my, my one of my ideas I thought was, okay, this is not right. Actually, I'd love to make help these companies grow a little bit faster with their company. Obviously, that's a high objective. You know, Red is very small right now, but... Uh, but I just think actually partnerships is a really good way. You know, if separately you're too small to make a lot of noise, hopefully jointly you can actually make a lot more noise and make a bigger difference. Because ultimately my objective is, okay, let's improve periods for everyone and let's make sure that there's less waste generated by periods. So, you know, if you do it separately, very small companies, maybe they'll make a lot of impact. But if you join those companies together, uh, you can have a bigger impact. And that, by the way, is also the idea behind Red Panty because a lot of these companies have started from a single product and it's very difficult to fit everyone's needs with one product, right? Uh, I think the menstrual cup is amazing and I really recommend it for anyone with heavy periods. But if you don't have heavy periods, then the menstrual cup is probably overkill and there might be other issues by which you can't use a menstrual cup or you uh, don't want to. I mean, they don't want to is a, is a problem because um, that's, a lot, that's the biggest barrier for a lot of people, which is I'm scared. It's like, but why are you scared? You know, can we kind of rationalize that? Because uh, the other big, I guess, taboo is it's unhygienic. This is something that came out a lot uh, of some research I did, which was which was actually based in Spain. So it's not like it's a particular taboo with periods. It was more, you know, it was more okay, it's unhygienic, and it's like, why is it unhygienic? Or because I, you know, if I used to before, it's unhygienic. But it's like, hang on, there's nothing unhygienic about periods. You just have to wash the products, and that's all. But uh, there's quite a bit of Kind of stigmas, taboo, barriers to usage, which makes the whole area still uh, challenging. Even in Europe, even in uh, you know, even in amongst, I guess more. Uh, I don't want to say more educated, but, but a society which doesn't intrinsically have a taboo, uh, a specific taboo with periods, right? Lots of notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I've got to agree. I think it's even from going to school in England, there is such a taboo around periods at a young age and I don't necessarily think that gets much better as you get older so it is quite a difficult thing to talk about especially like between like men and like mixed groups so one thing I would just like to ask as a a quick summary just for our listeners what products do you sell exactly yeah so I sell uh, a couple of different good brands of uh, menstrual cups okay I sell a few brands of menstrual underwear and I sell some um, cloth pads, okay? So that's, there's other usable pure products out there. There's, there's others that exist. I believe in the US they use some sponges, so natural sea sponges. I haven't seen any brands on those though. I haven't seen them in Europe, which is why I don't carry them. But I believe I've got the kind of, the full set of what is out there at the moment. But by the way, the full set is, for me, one thing that is very important in this space, and it's about future evolutions, is about how does the product development carry on? Because uh, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier. We have female founders that have small businesses or medium-sized business, and research and development costs a lot of money. Okay, so one of the things I can see clearly in this space is that actually there just hasn't been enough money spent in research and development to carry on improving the products. Or develop new products 
and that has to uh, improve. So again, I hope that you know, giving more of a spotlight to this issue can help attract more interest, hopefully more investment as well, because it's required, right? Yeah, and also one thing that I wanted to, uh, you know, just bring to the table for our discussion is, um, you know, the accessibility to these types of products, because I know, you know, if you think about it logically, sure, a moon cup uh, or a menstrual cup, you know, can be, can cost 30 to 40 pounds, euros, dollars, which actually Mm. in the long run, you know, is more cost efficient. But I feel like if we're kind of getting down to the nitty gritty, a lot of people perhaps don't want to spend 30, you know, of 30 of whatever currency in one go because they actually can't afford it on a monthly basis. Therefore, they would much rather spend, you know, a couple of dollars, pounds, euros on just a pack of tampons, which will last in a month. And obviously, making these products more accessible is a lot more challenging. But what's your opinion on this? Do you think there's any potential for the price going down in the in the future? Or what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you're making an amazing, uh, very important point. So, um, I mean, accessibility in terms of the high initial price point that you mentioned, like you said, spot on, it costs 30, 40 dollars, euros, pounds. Actually, over a year, you're saving money already versus using tampons or pads, but it doesn't matter. When you have to go to the shop and you have to spend the money, it's 10 times the price you would pay for a small packet of something else, right? So, it's... it's it's definitely a problem, um, and and also so there's a period poverty issue that I don't. I mean, we can go there, but it's a different subject. But let's take period poverty aside for one second, okay? So let's say you can spend the money. You just there's a big. It's another barrier you have to overcome. Is that fear of okay? But I haven't used this product, so if it doesn't work, I've spent thirty whatever and I've thrown it down the toilet. That's that's a big waste, okay? So. The better companies are there, what they're doing, they're being very clever. And, um, and the companies that I, so the RubyCup does this, uh, they give you a, a satisfaction or money back guarantee. Now, this is not to be wasteful. This is, a, this is just to literally overcome that accessibility barrier. Because if you know that if it doesn't work, you can take it back. Or if you know that if it, you didn't get the right size of the cup, because it's a couple of sizes usually, you can change it and that's not going to be cost you any money. Then that makes it a lot easier to make that decision. So that lowers that barrier. So that's very important. Um, I've seen out there, there's some brands also which are doing, and I'd love to look into this further also with Red Panty, this payment on installments. So that's a great idea. Of course, when you pay on installments, they're low-ticket products. You're gonna to have to. You're probably gonna to have to need to develop specific financial products for this because we're talking about very small tickets, right? To replicate the the, the tampons and pads each month, we'll be talking about minuscule amounts, I guess. But it's something to look into. I think that's that's a very interesting possibility. And then there's another thing, uh, which is the taxes. So this is a huge topic, um, uh, which. I, you know, it, it's it's pretty um, outstanding to be very to be very honest because uh, governments are increasingly saying, okay, period poverty exists, and that holds young women back, right? Because if you if you can't uh, go to school because you have your period because you can't get your products, and that's that's a huge problem. So more and more they're lowering VAT rates, uh, tax rates. They are uh, making available free products. 
Unfortunately, though, for some reason, the same governments, uh, most of them now have also sustainability targets, are not including typically reusable period products in that list. So they're lowering or giving away free tampons and pads, but they're totally forgetting about menstrual cups, they're forgetting about menstrual underwear. I, I just don't see any good reason for this, because when you create a product, it says what the product is for, the product is for periods. So if it's a period product, then why would it not apply to the same taxation, exceptions of taxation or, or the nature of it being a free product if you're going to give this product away? Actually, menstrual cups are the most cost-effective product, uh, which is why Ruby Cups have the company for uh, menstrual products, because they wanted to tackle period poverty in Africa, and that's why they went for cups and not for something else. So um, it, it's just really bizarre. And, and I mean, it's obviously each country, each legislation is doing something different. I believe Scotland uh, is now offering free menstrual products. I believe those are tampons and pads. I think, again, I don't understand why other options are not there uh, because they're actually much, much more cost effective. So if, we, if a government is investing money in this, this is the way they're going to get the most of their investment. But I think it's just probably a lack of awareness. Um, people who are making decisions maybe not having their periods, which obviously is a problem. Um, but again, we're talking about it today. Hopefully, people are listening to it. Uh, uh, to be, I mean, w- one of the things that it's it's hard, right? Like we don't like to talk about periods. Women don't like to talk about periods. Other people who have periods don't like to talk about periods. Most people don't talk about periods. And the problem, if you don't, is that if you don't have your period, if you're a if you're a cis man and you don't have your period then you will not understand what this means. And you cannot make the right decisions because you don't understand full stop. I mean, I've been having some early investor conversations with men and the first thing they say is, I don't understand really. And of course you don't because no one does, right? You only understand what you go through. So this is why we have to talk about it. Uh, despite definitely not being usually my favorite subject, it definitely it is now because if you don't speak, then the governments, people don't know, and governments can't make their decisions so they're not aware of what uh, what the reality of experiences are. So, so yes. Yeah, definitely. I also think it could link back to what I mentioned earlier about the taboo and the stigma around reusable products because, like you say, if men are making these decisions, men are already out the loop, so they're already under the opinion that this is kind of dirty, it's a bit gross, it's unhygienic, so perhaps that could be one of the reasons they haven't thought to reduce a tax on it. Yeah, potentially. And and as I say, it's not to point fingers. and It's not about, hey, you've made a bad decision. It's more like, why can you not make the right decision? Is that, well, you can't make the right decision if you haven't got the awareness. And if I just go back to my, only just myself, if I take myself as a 16-year-old, that's the decision I was making. It was like, uh, that sounds gross. But that sounds gross. It's all, it's all context dependent. Uh, I guess one of the things when I found out about this menstrual cup thing was because I had an American friend who was older, but I didn't know anyone who used anything like this. So I just thought this is like a weird, weird animal out there that's doing something freaky. Actually, if we were all able to say, hey, actually, I use the cup, it's great, or I use this and it's great, then people will understand that actually there are options. I mean, the, the, for me, the main thing is, uh, is are you aware that these options are there? Are you aware that increasing this is the favorite option for most people? Uh, are you aware that this, maybe you don't like the menstrual cup, but there's other things for you that are actually 
And and there's a tricky bit in here because this is a sustainability speak, and I'm definitely doing this sustainability. But I'm totally convinced that these products are way better for you. Not even if you don't care about sustainability, they're actually much more comfortable. They cause a lot less irritation, and they save you money. But if you're not aware, you can't choose them. It's that simple. And and most people are not aware still. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and I think it's just again, like even as women ourselves like we weren't really I don't remember I also went to an old girls school so you know this was like a very common topic because we didn't have you know the boys pointing fingers being like ew periods but even then we weren't there was never a discussion about like reusable products so I think it's just again a matter of again as you mentioned just like speaking about it and making people aware but what else I wanted to ask you is obviously that you're a platform and essentially you partner with um, distributors who and then sell their products. So with that kind of model in mind, I just wanted to ask, um, how do you go about, you know, being sustainable within your own business model? Because if you're not, you know, manufacturing products, then distribute and then you're just distributing them. That's, you know, I guess your carbon footprint is quite different. Yeah, no, uh, that's a great question. So, uh, back to how I choose the the, suppli- the suppliers. These suppliers are really really care about sustainability, and they will um, have minimal packaging, which then I have minimal packaging. So I try to avoid uh, use of plastic as much as possible. Unfortunately, some of my clients get, or very often my clients get recycled envelopes. By the way. Which is okay at this scale. When we go a bit bigger, I'll probably have to find better sources, but it's still of, of recycled materials. Um, and um, and then, as you said, I do mostly at the moment sell people's brands, but I'm also embarking on that path uh, full of perils, which is launching my own product. Now, when you have your own product, that's when you really face with, okay, I'm creating something. This has a footprint. How can I make this footprint the lowest possible, right? What am I doing? And it's very difficult, by the way. It's, it's really challenging. So um, I'm embarking on that now, and and, um, and it's in textile space, which is another issue. So again, that's that's full of peril. <laughs> textile industry is not, is not great. So you start by saying, okay, how can I get this product that I want to replace uh, thousands of panty liners? Right? How can I make it as durable as possible so that you can use it for many, many years? Can it be recyclable at the end of this life cycle or not? Uh, can I use uh, textile products which are made from recycled products, etc.? So I'm tackling all of those questions currently, and I say it's really hard, but uh, but um, but I'm glad I'm doing it because I, I do care about it uh, from the bottom. You know, from the it's from the bottom up that I'm doing this thing. Um, I'm also aware, though, that probably the first product I launch uh, won't be the most sustainable product. Um, but my plan is to keep improving that as as we go. So um, so yeah. So yeah, with with the products, actually, when you're making the product yourself, you're facing all of that cloud footprint, and you realize how difficult it is. When you're um, sourcing from others, then you rely on them to be trustworthy, and this is where this whole thing about reputable established brands uh, is very, very important. Um, I guess one thing that I battle a lot with um, 
recently I think a lot of other people do, all of us as consumers have to make decisions every day on what we buy, what we don't buy, and how we choose one versus the other. And I think transparency, traceability, increasingly being able to measure the carbon footprint of each product is really, really, really important. It's very hard, but it's increasingly important. Um, and um, yeah, and, and my view is that the carbon footprint has to be as low as possible, same as the water footprint. Um, although in the short term, some companies are working with emissions, and I'm probably going to, uh, sorry, offsetting emissions, and I'm probably going to have to do a little bit of that myself. But, uh, but yeah, I think being really aware of what the goal is um, and working towards that goal uh, is really, really important. And offering as much information to the consumers as possible, because I think at the end of the day, people have to make their decisions whether they, you know, not on sustainability, but whether they buy a 30 euro menstrual cap and they fight period poverty, or they buy a 20 euro menstrual cap and they don't. It's a decision, right? You can only make a decision if you have the full information. So one thing I try very hard with Red Panty is to offer as much information as possible on those products and the companies so people can make the best decisions for them. They can make the best, you know, the best, the, the pick the trade-offs they want to pick. Um, so I guess, you know, throughout this whole podcast, one of the, a very overarching topic was obviously the impact of periods on, uh, you know, society, health, and also on, on the climate. I guess for some of our listeners um, who actually looking at our stats, 50% of them are male and 50% of them are female. So I think for everyone, but I think especially for the, for the guys, it would be quite good to just, you know, educate about actually the impact of period products, because I feel like obviously the females can make the changes or, but you know, for the other side of the population, who perhaps don't see this as an important topic, this could be quite an eye-opener. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Thank you. So so I guess the first thing is when you don't want to make periods taboo, it's not anyone's fault that you have period. So it's not that periods are bad for the world. That's, periods are not bad for the world, right? They're not good, they're not bad, they just, they just, we have them. <laughs> Those of us who have them have them. Uh, and it's about how we best manage them so we can live our lives. So, but one of the things that uh, happens sometimes is that people say, well, periods is like a niche thing, right? Like how much impact can it have uh, on the environment? How big is this a, a deal, um, a topic to deal with? And the reality is that it's a huge real, it's a huge topic because if you look at the, um, I guess the fertile population of the world, uh, the females or people who have periods, it's probably around 30% of the whole world population, right? Um, and then, I mean, I've done some calculations based on some numbers, but if you only take the top 50% in terms of wealth, and let's assume this have access to tampons and pads, then you have a figure which is uh, 3 million tons of plastic waste, which are produced every year by the use of these periods products, the, the single-use period products, and about 6 million tons of CO2 emissions. That's each year. Uh, only for the 50% with access to those periods. It's probably more than 50%, but this is just to make an easy calculation. And that's per year. And then um, the average uh, length of time for a woman has a period, a woman or a, or a cis man, uh, sorry, a trans man or other, other genders with periods, that's 40 years. So actually the impact is pretty significant. Um, 
And and again, it's not about it's people with peers who have the fault. It's not, but it's just okay. Give us good alternatives to better manage our periods. Actually, to have better periods and to have less impact on the environment. But it's very important to take the stigma out because uh, you know you guys told me about this feminist thing, and to be honest, it's not. Yeah, it's not about saying hey, women are dirty. Women are doing this thing. Women are destroying the environment with peers. Not at all. It's the opposite. It's just saying the impact is big. And actually, we can make better decisions. So let's let's make them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I don't think people realise how much plastic are involved in period products. Um, like even not in the actual product itself. There's all the wrapping, and then in the actual product, there's so much plastic to hold the cotton wool. I presume the cotton together. So it is very plastic intense. As we've touched on a, a little bit about your future goals throughout. And just like a bit of an overview so where do you see yourself and the company in five ten or fifteen years yeah this is great so currently i don't think i mentioned this in the beginning but currently we're based in barcelona in spain and the the goal is very much you know as we only yelled the goal is very much to initially grow in spain and europe but definitely definitely make an impact in spain now it's a very interesting time because a lot of uh, companies are uh, finally investing and making making um, reusable pure products available in their shops. So I can see that, uh, for example, Carrefour. I don't know if you guys know the retailer Carrefour. Uh, not only do they stop menstrual cups, but they're starting to sell also period underwear. Okay, uh, I mentioned Carrefour, but there's many others. Uh, Primark, which is not the top of the sustainability uh, textile industry for anyone, but they are starting to sell, I don't know if you guys know this, but they're starting to sell pure menstrual underwear as well. So it's a really, really exciting moment. And actually, um, I, I feel I feel really happy about this. Uh, I feel very happy uh, at this point to have launched Red Fenty. I think the next five years is about growth and about getting new products underway. But I would love it that uh, red panty is not longer needed one day very soon because actually, as I say, you can go into any shop and you can buy your underwear and you can buy different absorbency or you can go into any shop uh, that carries uh, fashion or that carries uh, groceries and you can buy a menstrual cup and it's not a big issue at all. It's there and you have the choice and they're available. So um, hopefully by 10 years time, I think the rate of change will be so fast that in 10 years time, it will be totally mainstream and there won't be a question anymore. Actually, what you won't be able to redefine very much of is the others, single-use products. So that's, that's my objectives. And it's much more to the way kind of how we change our habits and societal change than about Red Panty itself, but it's helping drive uh, this change with Red Panty as much as possibly can, really. Great, thank you so much. Um, this has been such an interesting discussion. And for everyone listening, we will link the links to Red Panty in the description of this podcast and on our socials. So we very much do encourage you to check out the platform. And just for our listeners um, who, for example, are based in the UK, I know that you said that you're based primarily in Barcelona. Are they, are people still able to order to the UK? No, they are. They totally are. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, brilliant. So even better. Um, so yeah. Again, we highly encourage you to check out Red Panty and thank you so much once again. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. 
Thank you guys so much for listening to Sustainability Speaks. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to check out our other episodes and our Instagram and LinkedIn for more updates.